And this episode of the Disney Dads Podcast is brought to you as a courtesy from our Patreon supporters. They support the show so you don't have to listen to commercials other than maybe some of that amazing um, that amazing travel agent. What was his name? Uh, Justin, over and away with me travel. Of course, of course we need to talk about him a little bit. But other than that, you're not getting any commercials, guys. And that's because of those guys. Now listen, I might be a little biased here, but when I say that they support the show, they also get free content and a lot of shenanigans happens over on the Patreon side. And when I say, eh, we have some fun, Guys, I mean, we have a lot of fun, so maybe consider joining them. If not, let's give them at least a round of applause and say thank you for a commercial-free, amazing show. Round one was over. (laughs) Parents won. Kids, sip. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen. Start your engine! To infinity and beyond! There's a touch of madness around here. Hello and welcome to Disney Dads Podcast. Show it's a little about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. My name is Justin. And I am joined today by a face I know very, very well, and one I have missed very, very much. Uh, I'm going to start with my buddy to the south, Mr. Joe Quattrochi. How are you, my friend? What's going on, brother? It's, um, yeah, end of the fiscal year, or end of... The yeah, fiscal year for work, so yeah, a little bit crazy the last couple of weeks. I missed you guys. Definitely had a case of FOMO. Trust yeah, me. yeah, kind of hit you a little bit. Uh, maybe I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my buddy to the north, north. Uh, I can't speak tonight, Mr. Mike. Well, it's not good that you can't speak considering we have a podcast to record today. Yeah, I think I know, you better right? uh, work on that a little bit. Uh, I'm doing good. It's uh, fall is in the air. I'm I'm starting to get the house ready, doing all of those wintertime preparations. It's getting colder at night. And uh, I know you guys know nothing about that because you're enjoying that warm tropical weather. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm doing good. And I'm happy to see both of you guys. And it's been a while since I've seen Joe. So I'm really eager to kind of talk with him tonight. You know, we covered a lot in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of episodes. And Joe hasn't been around. So I'm, I'm definitely looking to pick his brain tonight on some of the uh, uh, happenings that's been happening down in Disney World. Uh, so I got to ask you guys before we jump in the show: Is this worrisome or not? Is it worrisome that I am perpetually eating dinner earlier and earlier, and I'm only in my late thirties? Uh, today we ate dinner at four thirty p.m. That's way too early. Yeah, it gets worse <laughs> though, man. I'm for- I'm forty one, man, and I'm like seeing like the clock. I'm like, I can't stay out late. Can't stay out late. How how does it get how does it get worse though? Like now all of a sudden if it gets worse, time I'm 50, I'll just be eating lunch and then going to bed and that'll just be it. Well, do you want me to tell you something to make you feel better? So the days are getting shorter. So maybe that's it. You know, now it gets dark down here in the south what 7:15. Yeah. So maybe your body's just adjusting naturally because of the time. Maybe. Well, soccer got canceled tonight because of rain. It's just been pouring the rain, been absolutely uh dreadful here for a couple days and Katie had to work and I didn't feel like cooking. So I was like, you know what? Let's go to Mexican. And she's like, well, if we're going, we got to go early, which we eat at five, no matter what. But I was like, can we do four 30? Like it was almost like this temptation that we had. I was like, do you think we can, is this a new venture for us as a, as a family? Can we do four 30? She's like, we can. 
And then we, uh, man, it was great, dude. Eight home, already digested. It's seven thirty right now. It's perfect. You kidding me? Working on those early many, bird specials. I love it. I absolutely many, love it. How many times a week are you at Mexican? Uh, at least two or three. You've been there with me twice. I've been there twice with you, and you just you know the whole restaurant when we walk in there, which is yeah. amazing. I like places I go where people know me, like the norm. It's my cheers. It's it my is cheers. impressive. It is impressive. What's the Mexican word for cheers? Uh, you know, we need our, our, our friends to the south to help me out. Um, yeah, it's it's a good spot though, man. It's cheap. It's got good drinks, good food, so can't really go wrong. So anyway, uh, look, this has nothing to do with topic. Before we jump into today's topic, though, I want to talk to Joe a little bit because he wasn't here the last two weeks. Um, Joe, I'm throwing this at you blind. Uh, two weeks ago, we were leading up to the 50th. We were uh, very, very excited for this uh, celebration to take place. And we talked about the 10 most influential moments over the last 50 years on Walt Disney World property. So, uh, for example, our number one was, of course, the opening of the Magic Kingdom and of the Walt Disney World Resort uh, on October 1st, 1971. Uh, we went on to talk about the creation of DVC. We even talked about one of them was the uh, the use of um, Disney commercials and uh, movies and TV shows, you know, to like inside the parks. You know where they would bring these TV shows and fill them in the film them in the parks because back in the early '90s, you know, we didn't have social media, so that's how you kind of got your your taste of the parks. Um, what's one thing if you're kind of thinking off the top of your head and the ones I mentioned? That's a main thing that you think happened in the last 50 years. That when we all look back and we go, "Wow, what led us to here?" Uh, would be that one thing. Well, you took a couple of them um, off the top of my head, which would be the television shows being filmed there. Uh, you know, Full House. Obviously, was one of the bigger ones. Uh, let's see, Boy Meets World. Uh, you know, there was a bunch of different shows. Roseanne, I think, was filmed there as well. A bunch of different shows. So that would be the one of the things I would think would be, you know. But you already kind of mentioned that. Uh, if you're talking about historical, um, historical things that have kind of happened, that got us to where we are. You know, I, I think of historical things. Did you guys ever talk about the the Beatles at the Polynesian? No. Okay, so the Beatles, I think, were, were broken up at the Polynesian, or Paul was it Paul McCartney was part of the yeah. Beatles. Like, yeah. He signed some kind of paperwork at the Polynesian. Between that and the oh, that's uh, right, and the President uh, Nixon, I'm not a crook speech at the Contemporary. I mean, those are two major things that happened in the 70s at Walt Disney World. I know that didn't get us to where we are within the parks, but I just think of historical milestones that happened on Walt Disney World property. I think that's like kind of cool. I always kind of tell my non-Disney friends who want to know about things that have happened at Disney. I'm like, well, do you know that this happened at Disney or this happened at Disney? So maybe those two events didn't get us to where we are right now, but I just think those were kind of cool events that that uh, that happened there. Uh, besides that, other things, um, that, you know, I'm just kind of thinking broad scope of like things that have brought attention to the resort. I think of sports too. Mm. All of the golf tournaments all over the years that have been played at, at Walt Disney World, ESPN Wild World of Sports, the marathon, the Run Disney events that have taken place there, um, all of those kind of events that happen at Wild World of Sports, all the cheerleading competitions. Mike, you've been for how many of those? Mm -hmm. That just brings in people. The sports aspect has developed that whole side of the property. I mean, like that, just just with those kind of events alone. So, I th you know, I think besides the historical things, I think sports is also a big thing that have happened as well at Walt Disney World. I mean, just all of those kind of events, you know, kind of helped develop what to, what it is today with the, that part of the Disney property. Yeah, Run Disney made our list for sure. Uh, some of the change change the property. Um, well, last week we we stepped, you know, we we celebrated the fiftieth. We had a great uh, time there, Walt Disney World, and all the celebrations they had. 
Um, but we took a leap, not looking back, but looking forward. Uh, and we gave our 10 things that we hope uh, will happen over the next 50 years on property. I'm going to run you through uh, through all 10 really quickly and just give me your thoughts on our 10 and how we did. Number 10, an expansion of indoor space for programs such as sports, uh, indoor uh, conventions, things like that. Number nine, technology center for guests. So something like Disney Quest, but something that stays up to date uh, and is pushing the boundaries with technology going forward. Um, a diversification of resort offerings. And what we mean by that is uh, being able to have resorts that are not just a value, a moderate or deluxe, but maybe a resort that offers all three of those in one uh, to where almost like a cruise ship, you can have uh, value rooms, but you can also have deluxe offerings at the one resort as well. Um, also, of course, having those resorts, maybe, maybe uh, with an entrance to a park. The expansion of World Showcase at number seven, six, Disney World loyalty program. I'm shocked they have not done this yet. Uh, five, expansion of Disney Cruise Line Adventures by Disney. Uh, four, a transportation expansion, uh, especially talking about the gondola system. Uh, number three, focus on entertainment. So uh, taking it back to what made this company great and with a focus on entertainment. Uh, number two, expansion of resorts. You know, you can't get more and more people uh, without having the resorts, and you can't do the number one without having the resorts, and that is a fifth or sixth gate added to property. Uh, what are your thoughts there, bud? Well, for the sake of, uh, of time, I was kind of writing those down very quickly. Uh, everybody knows on DDP that my heart, uh, my heart goes out to the resorts, first of all. So the, diverse, the diversification of resorts is an interesting one there because I even feel that like Disney's kind of going in the way of getting away from the the value resorts, even with the 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 uh, with the all star uh, I think it's all star movies right now. They're doing the family suites, movies or music. I think it's movies. I think it's movies. Movies, yeah. They're doing the family suites. Obviously, that's going to come with an increase in price. It's great for families. You get a larger party stay in rooms, but they're kind of going away from that real budget room. That it's kind of nice to have that on property. Everything's becoming more of a higher end moderate like Coronado, like where you're paying more even Pop Century now and Art of Animation, which are moderates, which really are values. They're really like high end moderates now most. And and, and DVC resorts DVC and deluxe resorts. So they're going away from that from that value, that value resort. So I like to see more of a diversification like that. I think a resort that had all three be fantastic. They think there's nothing wrong with having different levels of rooms. I mean you go to any other property, Marriott's, Hilton's, you go to resorts. I remember when I booked up my honeymoon in Mexico, uh, there was like six or seven different levels of rooms you could stay at. I mean, so and I think there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be on a budget, you can stay in a value room. If you want to have a, a higher end tower and have a, a suite, have that. Absolutely. So I think that's a great idea as well. The expansion of also uh, other resorts as well. I would love to see them develop the other side of Bay Lake. Mm. Um, I've looked at Google Maps. I, I don't know where the property line ends, but I would love to see them kind of go around the other side of Bay Lake and, and develop that lakefront. I think it's a lot of great property that um, that could be developed. They have some really great resorts that could be on the waterfront with great, still great views of the Magic Kingdom. I think that would be awesome. Another thing I thought about resorts as well, too, is I would love to see them do something with a resort down by ESPN Wild World of Sports that would maybe house or be something special for all the tournaments that would be there, the cheerleading competitions. I mean, I'm surprised that like they have so many fields down there and I don't know how, what's the utilization of them, but if you put a resort down there at the wide world of sports, have it really be all encompassed. I think that would be fantastic as well. So I would love to see that resort wise. would love to see that. I'm a DVC guy. I love it, but I think there should be more offerings for other people who are not DVC because listen, we're all DVC members, right? Sometimes we can't get rooms. So we, we want to stay on property. We want to definitely, you know, have another option to book. And speaking of resorts, I agree with you. They have the loyalty program for Disney Cruise Line, right? 
as somebody who is a loyal Marriott guy, I'm a loyal American Airlines guy, right? I a loyalty program would be absolutely amazing. I think it might get a little competitive within the Disney uh community because you see it right now with DVC members and annual pass members, you know, there even Florida resident members, you know, there's kind of a little bit of territorial kind of thing. If you were if you have had a loyalty program where you had status, like it'd be very interesting to see how that would react to the Disney community. But I think that would be awesome to have different levels, different perks, different maybe entrance times or different like magnets or different, who knows the, it's, it's endless what you could do uh, with a loyalty program. I think that would be awesome. I think that would definitely be a revenue raiser because I know for myself, sometimes I pay a few dollars more to fly American or I pay a few dollars more to stay at Marriott because it helps my status. It gets me closer to platinum or platinum pro or ambassador status or whatever you're at. So I definitely think a loyalty program would definitely, uh, would definitely be good. Uh, one other one here too, is uh, the expansion of world showcase. We all love World Showcase. We all know there are several pads that are still there that could be used. I would love to see an expansion of World Showcase. I was a big proponent before they put the giant tacos inside of uh, World Showcase Lagoon. I would have loved to have seen like an expansion of like Australia. Shout out to our own Aussie Dave with like maybe a replica of like the op- the the, uh, the Sydney Opera House, like a little restaurant there, like on the World Showcase Lagoon. Uh, I know Brazil's been thrown out there. It's been very popular. There's so many different resorts that, you know, you could put in there. I think that would be a super exciting offering. Uh, World Showcase is so popular with adults. Uh, I mean, look how crowded it is during food and wine. You could bring that aspect in for food and wine. So I think that's just like something that they, I don't know if it's because they don't have the financial backing like they did years ago when they were building these. Uh, But I think that would be uh, amazing as well. So just to take a few of those, uh, love the resorts. Love to see an expansion world showcase. And obviously, if there would be another gate, um, if, listen, if you're building all these hotels and you're kind of limiting attendance, you got to build a new gate eventually. Mm-hmm. And especially that they're not, they're taking away some of the other activities that are, that are out there. Like, for example, like there's rumors out there that the, the little water sprites or the mice boats that, you know, are usually around world show, the, uh, around seven seas lagoon, they're not coming back. Like they're constantly chipping away a little bit, uh, a little bit away at activities like typhoon lagoon still not open. So it's great. You're building all these rooms, but like you gotta have places for these people to go to during the daytime. So, uh, a next gate, a fifth gate would be fantastic. I don't know if there'd maybe be a deal down the road for Marvel. I mean, I don't know if they would just pay NBC or Comcast and be like, look, we want our rights back. I mean, that would be a home run. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know what the next 50 years will hold, but I would love to see, uh, there definitely need to be a fifth gate as well. Cause I love Disney Springs. It's not a fifth gate. I'm sorry. So no, 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 no. It's a fourth and a quarter gate. Yeah. It's um, quarter. yeah, it's fun, but, uh, you, you nailed one for me and it's funny because I had an experience with it last night. I was sending a quote to, um, a family who, un- unfortunately their trip got canceled during COVID, but now they're wanting to go again. Uh, newlyweds, uh, two adults going for seven nights and uh base tickets one park per day and uh only five day ticket dude the hotel okay i sent them only moderates because they could stay at caribbean beach for 289 a night in a king bed right or they could stay at uh one of the values for 239 it's look i mean this is a no-brainer like when you have access to Skyliner and you said they're kind of phasing out the the value resorts, we've seen the prices for values go up while moderates have stayed stagnant, which is kind of a weird thing. Uh, we've seen val- uh, values go up. We've seen deluxes go up. But the, that moderate like range, and there's a few of them there, like Port Orleans, Caribbean Beach, Coronado have been 
kind of stationary in their price range. And I think Disney's really pushing those. Disney's like, all right, let's get you on property and let's get you here to where there's more options uh, for you to do and we get you in the parks easier, stuff like that. So uh, I, I really do. I think we're going to see a big boost, or I hope we see a big boost of moderate resorts over the next 50 years. No, um, I, definitely, I definitely agree. Well, there's not an easy transition to this. Uh, I would say that the uh, if you're going to have the new sh- the sh- uh, a, a staple of Hollywood Studios, a fantastic show, we found out this week it is coming back. Uh, we are so excited about it. And this place seats about 2,000 people. So to have 2,000 people, you have to have those resorts open. You've got to be able to have people staying on property. Uh, tonight, guys, I am really excited to announce coming back to property very, very soon is the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular Uh, i have a long history with it i'm sure you all do as well before we dive into not only our personal histories uh but the history of the of the show and its impact on hollywood studios and mgm at the time i want to get y'all's opinion just on indiana jones as a whole um mike you grew up uh in the time frame where i would think indiana jones was a huge 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 movie release uh when you were younger yeah, you know, when my dad got the very first VCR in our house, uh, you know, probably in the early 80s, there was two videos that he got. Uh, and one of them I had seen the movie already, and the second one was my first time watching it. And the, one of the videotapes that he got, one of the VCR cassettes that he had, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. My first time watching it was with my parents uh, in the early 80s. Uh, it, it was very cool. It was one of those movies, too, that I think because in the early 80s there was no PG-13, it was just kind of PG or R. It kind of skated on that could be a rated R movie. You know, there was a lot of scary scenes in it. Um, listen, I was a huge Star Wars fan at that time. Uh, Star Wars is a huge part of my life. So to be able to see Harrison Ford in another role and really take on that role so very well that he wasn't typecast as Han Solo. He wasn't that space cowboy that, you know, he was a real adventurer. He was an archaeologist. He had a really cool personality. I mean, it just shows you what a fantastic actor he is because he's been in a lot of other stuff too. And he really can transform to, you know, I mean, from the president of the United States to, you know, someone who's you know, flying the Millennium Falcon. He's got a huge Get range. Get off my plane. Yeah, exactly. So he's 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 such a great actor. Um, that was one of the greatest adventure movies of my childhood. I really, really enjoyed Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, I was so happy to watch those movies as I grew up. It was part of my series. Um, very cool. Fond childhood memories. And it's pretty cool because after I've taken the kids to Disney to see this stunt spectacular, I wanted to have Sammy and Sarah watch the movies to see if they would enjoy it the same way I did. And um, Sarah was kind of like, ah, yeah, oh, okay. And um, Sammy enjoyed it. Sammy enjoyed she watched She liked watching those movies. More of the older ones she liked than some of the newer ones. So the, uh, the whole Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, really, really, really had a, a very soft place, very lovable spot in my heart. It's something that was near and dear to me. Well, it's the first time, I mean, you see George Lucas and Harrison Ford come together again to create this new world. You know, they've, they've done it with Star Wars, and now they come together again to create Indiana Jones. Uh, Joe, was this a staple in your, uh, in your younger years? I have to admit, it was not. I mean, I've, I've watched them a handful of times. you got to remember, these were really, I was born in 1980, right? So these were released when I was a wee lad. I was like two, two and four or five years old, whatever. So I, I've watched them a handful of times. I know enough about it when I enjoyed when I went to go see the show at MGM, I enjoyed what I was watching. But honestly, if you were to put this down like right in front of me right now, I probably wouldn't know what happened with it. Like it's been really? that long since. Yeah, it's been that long since I've really watched them. And and I don't know about you guys, but I haven't really seen them even 
been put on TV, like as like reruns or whatever. So this is something I probably have to look at through like Netflix or Hulu for or uh, Disney Plus. But um, yeah, I, I I don't really have a lot of I, there's bits and pieces, the famous scenes that I remember. Um, but I if you were to sit me down with it right now to watch like Raiders of the Lost Ark or Temple of Doom, like or I guess the other one's Last Crusade, right? Uh, I probably would not remember like what happened. I could probably watch like as if I was watching a new movie. Well, can I steer you in the right direction? Because there's a, there, definitely watch the best one first. Uh, definitely start with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's uh, his portrayal in that movie uh, as a younger, you know, uh, kind of Indiana character, uh, really great. When he puts the hat on at the end. Uh, not not to spoil anything, but I would start with <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Crystal Skull, and then work your way backwards uh, from there. You know, because they get worse as you get earlier in time. Uh, I think that's most people would agree with me right now uh, with what I'm saying. One of the things um, that I, that I really really fondly remember, and it's kind of goes back to that whole PGR thing. Uh, there was one one memory that I have. There was the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when they open the coven and the guy's face mm-hmm. starts to melt. <laughs> as a little kid, my mom wouldn't let me watch that. She thought I would have nightmares. So that scene would come on and she would pause the vcr and she would make me go into the room and that into another room so i couldn't see it they would watch it because she knew what was coming up and then she would let me come back in and, and watch you know the rest of the movie from then on out so uh yeah I, not that i was scarred from childhood but um yeah i guess if any kids are going to watch it for the first time maybe that's a little scary for them i don't know the only movie my mom my, my mom was not like super worried about me seeing stuff but she i remember i will never forget this and it's it's probably a good thing I was like maybe like seven or eight and she made me go to bed early. So, cause it was the year basic instinct came out <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you can't watch this. And then I just watched it for the first time, like six months ago. And I was like, Oh, that's probably a good parenting call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done on that one. Uh, well, you know, for me, I, I really do enjoy these movies and everyone kind of, uh, you know, gets on a couple of them that they're not fantastic. All the ones, uh, from the early eighties, you know, through the first, the first three, I really enjoy all three. I really do. Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull. I can really take it or leave it. It's, it's not very good, but it's still got that Indiana feel to it. You know, it's, it's got that, that adventurer feel to it. Um, the fact that they bring in aliens is kind of a, kind of a weird deal. And of course they're filming the new one right now. They are on a break because Harrison Ford was injured on set, but we will have a fifth Indiana, Indiana Jones coming out, uh, in the near future. So I'm excited about that, but we are not here to talk movies. We are uh, not so much a movie podcast. We are going into the parks and we're going to talk about this amazing, amazing show. Uh, guys, before we get into the history, what was your first experience with the show? I will give you mine while you have a chance to uh, to to talk about it. Um, I was a wee young lad, uh, and my mom took me to Disney, and I was actually chosen to go on stage and put on the leather jacket and wear the hat. You know, when they say, "Hey, we've got a world famous uh, stuntman in the audience," and then you run out, and they gave me a certificate. I have no idea what that certificate is, but I remember sitting and watching the show just in awe of what was happening in front of me. It's the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And I remember thinking, this is incredible. This happens every day inside of a Disney park. It's absolutely unbelievable. I loved it from the first time I saw it. Uh, Mike, when was the first time you saw this? Do you remember? So the first time that I saw the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, I want to say it was uh, the late 
you know, 89, 90. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, when my parents took me to the park, the MGM That's right. just opened yep. and they did yep. some phased openings. Like the park wasn't completely, uh, you know, built up yet. They were just doing a couple little things. And Indiana Jones was one of those things that I think opened first out of all of the attractions they had in the park. And this was my first live action show that I'd ever been to. I really thought it was super cool. Um, I've never been like a play guy or one of those people that like to do the Broadway shows, but to see a live action, this was really, really up my alley the fire the smoke the acrobatics um and and obviously it was a movie that i really really loved so it was really cool to see that kind of play out in front of me yeah it's it's definitely you were mentioning it's funny that you said that um it was one of the first things you saw at that at that park originally this was supposed to be a opening day attraction at mgm um they had planned on this being kind of a people eater to take people in because this amphitheater seats over two thousand people it is massive I mean, it's one of the largest on property. It is absolutely huge. Other than Fantasmic seating more, I believe it's the largest. Um, it is. It's it, it's huge. It's also covered, which is massive for for guests in Central Florida when you have pop up rainstorms, and yet you can put people in there and they can still uh, they can still enjoy this show. Um, but the problem was once the park opened. Park opened on May the first, nineteen eighty nine, and Eisner just and George Lucas, either one, didn't think that the attraction was ready to go. I love that they did this. Disney, I don't think, would ever do this now, Joe. I think it would be one of those things where they would just say, we're not opening. But they said, no, we're going to open what we have ready for the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, and we're going to do it as like a dress rehearsal format uh, on the opening day of MGM. So the show didn't officially open until August of 1989, but starting in May, people could go see what would be a dress rehearsal of people auditioning and people uh, uh practicing and doing all that i would have loved to have seen this show during that you know three or four month period i don't think disney would ever do that now because with the media with the age of social media and everybody having a camera in their pocket they would not want anything being filmed but i think that's super cool that that this took place back in the day and if you were lucky if you're one of the lucky guests to see this you know and you could and see it beforehand and if you were to return later on and be like, oh, wow, that's different than what I originally saw. I just think that's really cool. I mean, those are things that are never going to happen again. We'll never see that. They would never open that up like that, especially in today's day and age. It just wouldn't happen. So I think it's kind of cool. I think it's, you know, and remember, it was such a small park back then. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, like it's been expanded so many times. It's still a small park, right? We all, Dude, it's we still, all, I was about to say, it's still it's little. It's still little. I mean, but like, even that, like, look at some of the old, like, VHS videos or vacation planning videos. And they talk about you know, Disney's MGM Studios. Man, it was so small. And, and three quarters of it was like the movie studio stuff because it was a live, you know, working film studio. So they had to get that. They had to at least have something there to eat people, even if it was a dress rehearsal, because there'd be nowhere else for anybody to go. There was no sense of Boulevard back then. We talk about each park kind of has their identity, right? So Magic Kingdom, you know, serves its purpose with uh, each of the each of the five, uh, you know, different lands you can go into with Fantasyland, Adventureland, uh, you know, tomorrow, and, and you can do all that. Epcot serves its purpose as not only bring, uh, looking at the future and and but also world showcase and look at the world as a whole and bring it into one. Do you think? What do you? What purpose do you think? that the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular shows to what is now Hollywood studios. Like you said, MGM at the time was a working studio. You had the backlot tour. You were able to see the inner workings of, of what a studio was. And I think that was the original idea of what MGM was. 
we've we've now lost a lot of those lights motor action gone backlot gone um the uh uh, uh great movie right gone you know all, all these things are, are gone now and it's, instead it's they've now been uh replaced by ips they've been replaced by other attractions they've been replaced in some instances by nothing indiana jones is coming back and it's still here it's one of the longest running things on disney property and yet it's still here, and it's pretty much the same as the first day it ran. What purpose or what what significance do you think that says about how important this show is to MGM and Hollywood Studios keeping its identity as a movies park? Well, I think it's it's the it's the redheaded stepchild. It's the last piece of the original of what MGM Studios was supposed to be a working, living, working movie studio. But I don't know if the reason why they're keeping this is because of the keeping of the identity. Is it more because it's such a large space and they have the theater there and it's a people eater and maybe it's cheaper to hire back the people to to be a part of the show rather than to knock something down and have nothing there? I mean, I don't know. I would love – I really hope that that's the reason why because when I look at that attraction – I think of I think of Catastrophe Canyon. I think of the back lot tour. Mm. I think of lights. Uh, oh, the uh, backstage was it the sound? The uh, sounds uh, dangerous. The soundstage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, all of those original attractions. I mean, that were like that made MGM Studios that the diehard Disney fans absolutely love. And this is like the last little bit that's like holding on to it. So I really hope that's the reason why they're doing it. But I don't know a hundred percent deep down if that is the true reason why they're doing it. I think it probably. It is just, it's like the 50th anniversary. We got it. We're going to have a lot of people visiting the parks. We're coming out of a pandemic. We need something, we need somewhere to put these people because now with no, you know, virtual queue for, uh, for galaxy, for galaxy's edge, for, you know, rise of resistance, there's gotta be places for these people to go to. And I think this is a perfect opportunity, but you know, we'll bring this show back. We've got everything here. we got the infrastructure here and we'll just go from there. So I'm hoping that's the reason why, but I think deep down, that's not really the reason why. Well, two things. I think one it, it's it's immensely popular still. Like when you would walk in there pre-pandemic and you would kind of walk by, there was a good chunk and good crowd of people going to see this show. Take now I'm not I'm not dogging Beauty and the Beast. I, I think those actors and actresses are, are fantastic. And I go see that show a lot. But I can also go see that show and be in there with sometimes 60, 70 people. You know, it, it, I can go sit anywhere I want. Whereas Indiana Jones, they foul you into the row. Uh, I think I think its popularity has something to do with this thing. Two, there's a fifth movie coming out. I think in the back of their minds, they're like, okay, this is an easy, cheap way to uh, have publicity in the park for this new advertising in the park for this new movie, this fifth Harrison Ford. You know it's the last one. There's no chance Harrison Ford signs on for a sixth Indiana Jones. What is it going to be? Weekend at, 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 at you know, Indiana, Indies? Like, you can't do that. You know what I mean? They're going to have him on drawstrings and, and going around. He's just what is he now? He's eighty. Oh, he's got to be in his mid seventies, yeah. I mean, it, it, this has got to be the final act, and so I think that the, one, the popularity, and two, the advertising uh, keeps it there. But I'm ex- I'm really glad they are keeping it there because I think it serves uh, serves a great purpose. And like you said, the problem with Hollywood Studios is this: it's now become, if not the one the second most popular theme park on Disney property. And it is tiny. 
So when you have people filling the streets of Hollywood Boulevard and going back to Galaxy's Edge and in you know uh, a Toy Story, there's not a lot of space for people to hang out while they wait to go do things. And so you need these people eaters. You need Beauty and the Beast. You need uh, Fantasmic to, to take in 4,000 people while people line up for the fireworks outside. You can't have both. Look, we just got announced who they're doing the fireworks show again, too. So uh, it's an interesting thing where Disney needs places to put people, and right now they don't have it in that park. And I think you see it when you walk through. It's a big difference. Even when it's not that crowded, it seems crowded. So when the queue of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is stretching out into out in front of the Chinese theater, you know, it's a lot of people there. So I, th- I think it's big. Mike, do you think it plays an important role uh, with Hollywood Studios? Oh, yeah. Like I said, when you walk through Toy Story Land, you feel like you're in a park with a million people because it's not a lot of elbow space. You know, it tends to be one of those places that uh, it's kind of bottlenecked. It's it's doesn't have a lot of real estate to kind of stretch your arms out a little bit. You know, you can walk around World Showcase and feel like you're the only one there sometimes, even when there's a lot of people. Uh, I think you're right. And I think they definitely need those large capacity, uh, you know, venues to just take the people in, you know, between the Frozen sing-along, between Beauty and the Beast and between... Uh, you know, the, the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular, that's a lot of people to have off the walking paths, off the, all, out of the restaurants, out of the area, the general population area, people are walking around. Uh, it doesn't make you feel so crowded. And I think if you don't feel so crowded, you might want to stay a little bit longer. I mean, there were times where I've walked through Magic Kingdom and we were just kind of like elbow to elbow with people there. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be here for this. I'm just going to leave. And if there were more places open where people were kind of being, you know, sucked into, then you'd probably maybe spend a little bit more time or be a little bit more comfortable walking around and have that little bit of a luxury of not being so cramped with all the people around um you know we were talking you were just talking about how with the new fifth movie coming out now if the fifth movie doesn't do good can you see them retheming this to something else yes 100 percent. and do you think that maybe jungle cruise would be a good fit for that oh i think it'd be great but i i don't think they would do that i don't think they would take jungle cruise out i don't think they're gonna do anything jungle cruise outside of magic kingdom i just do we have anything that cross other than other than character meet and greets do we have anything that cross? Well, I guess you have you had the Little Mermaid show at at Hollywood Studios, and you had the Little Mermaid attraction at at there. Maybe I don't know, man. I I don't know. I I just think that's such a great space. That is such a great space. You know, uh, there's a couple things I really hope hold on throughout the years at Hollywood Studios. I hope the Muppets holds on. But man, is that in a dangerous position. (laughs) (laughs) That that is bookend by two very, very, very strong parts of Hollywood Studios. And if it were to go, it could be connected and themed and... Just do the pigs in space, you know. With them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. They had that one episode, right? Mark Hamill was on. Just do the whole Muppet episode. They had the movie Wonder Muppets Wind. in Space. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. that that would be it. And that'll just kind of fit the niche. That'll that'll keep Kermit there. Uh, luckily, uh, uh, our good indie is is safe over in the corner. You know, kind of away over there at Echo Lake. Um, well, guys, let's let's jump into the show itself. Uh, the show itself, like I said, the the capacity is massive. Capacity seats twenty one. Uh, 1,050 people, uh, and the show is 25 minutes long. Um, I really do think that uh, more back in the day, people made this a staple of their Hollywood Studios uh, trips. I still tell people uh, to go see it. I think it's a great representation of what Hollywood Studios is supposed to be, uh, like we were talking about. Now, 
here's where I'm going to give you my one thing that I think they did really right from the beginning and see if you agree with me. I think Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular got it completely correct. George Lucas and uh, I'm trying to think of who the other uh, director was. I'm going to do this off the top. Steven Spielberg? Was it, well, he directed, but uh, oh, Jerry Reese uh, was the guy who directed the show. Um, he's and they had a stunt coordinator is Glenn Randall. We'll get everybody their their due here. Um, I I think they did a great job in this. They didn't say we're going to take you and you're going to watch a movie, right? Or we're going to take you and you're going to to be on the outside. They took you behind the scenes, so you're instantly greeted by the director. And you're told what they're going to shoot, how they're going to shoot it, and what the dangers are, and all of that. I think, Joe, they did that perfectly. I think if they had set you down, Joe, and said, just watch some scenes from Indiana Jones, this thing's gone 15 years ago. No, I definitely agree. It would be no different than watching a stage show at Six Flags or Cedar Point or the other theme park down the street. I mean, it'd be no different. And it would be boring. It'd be like... Look, if I wanted to do that, I could go rent the movie at home or, or watch the movie at home. The fact that they broke that fourth wall and brought mm-hmm. you into it, and the fact that they still, not to jump ahead, but they asked for audience participation. It has that rewritability um, factor where maybe you'll be the one of lucky persons to get brought onto stage. Maybe you'll, you know, maybe your child will get, you know, picked to be on stage. Uh, I know they had a bunch of different like adults be extras. I mean, that was really cool. Like maybe you'll somebody you sit next to you that'll happen to. So I think that's really was getting that rewritability factor. Um, I also think too, that like, remember this was 1989 when this was done. So like you really thought you were watching like how they film stuff. I mean, and it was true because I remember when during the Boulder scene, I was like, how did they do that? How did that guy not get squashed? How did the stomach not get squashed? And they kind of explained to you like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. You know? So yeah, that was a big deal back in the day. Now we have all kinds of beyond the scenes, you know, stuff you can find online and everything CGI, but this was a big deal for back in the day where you saw how things were done in the movies. I mean, I think it was pretty cool, but I definitely agree with you. Yeah. It, this show would not last. If it was just watching the show, it would have been definitely been replaced by something else. Well, too, I, I think it's one of those things where the way they open the show is perfect because it's one of the most famous scenes out of Indiana Jones that's, that's ever been done. I have to tell you, when the spikes happen, that makes me nervous to this day. I understand they know what they're doing, okay? Now, there has been some tragedy with this. If you want to go look it up, you're more than welcome to go look it up. But there has been some tragedy uh, with this show experience, which shows you the danger that these people are taking on each and every day that they are stuntmen and women on this on this, uh, this show. Um, but the action starts with, of course, uh, when... Indy is in the Peruvian temple and, and he's going after the idol and you get the spikes, you get the false floor, you get uh, the ball, you get all that great stuff going on. Um, Mike, when you sit down, and you watch this first scene, is, is it, is that what draws you in or is it your love for Indiana Jones? Cause I think if they did it wrong, if they picked a different scene, like let's say they did the bar scene first, I may be disinterested in, you know, the, the, where he's fighting and what's, what's the line. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. If you got something like that first, I don't think that's going to keep me in my seat. Uh, anytime you see any kind of preview or looking back on 80s movies, that one scene with Indiana running from the boulder, uh, I mean, it was in the great movie ride. It was in every kind of recap. It, it really, that almost, that scene almost 
defines an 80s movie. I mean, that was one of the one of the greatest movie moments, um, you know, amongst many other ones. You know, we used to see at the end of the great movie ride some of those amazing movie clips, and that's definitely one of them. And I think that it's a powerful scene. I think it's a very iconic scene, and I think it's a very notable scene that everybody's kind of seen, everybody's kind of witnessed before. So I think that's very important that they started with that, and it really grabs your attention to have that that whole boulder part and the idol. I mean, that that's that's a, it's a great tribute to that movie and to the whole series well i'd love that they say cut cut right you know and then they bring indy out they show you he's fine they actually talk with him a little bit you know you get to hear from the actor himself like hey how did you do this this you know and they actually walk you through these steps like joe was talking about with you know behind the scenes because joe that's what we used to get back on back on the the backlot tour and back with lights motor action look you being a car guy you had to have been devastated when lights motor action went away um but you know you got that behind the scenes how they film some of these movies with the cars and this is what you get with Indy too. Yeah, it was totally. By the way, with lights motors, actually, I also ride a motorcycle too. So the motorcycle stuff with also, I just found it fascinating with lights motors action how the car, the seat spun around. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I was just like, oh, many times totally ruined it. I thought they were that good, but they were that good. But yeah, um, but yeah, I going back to Indy. Um, I thought I was the bee's knees when I sat like in a lower row. And I saw where the spikes were coming out through the floor. And I was like, I remember it like hit my brother. I was like, look, look, that's where they cut. You can see the little holes in the ground. I thought I was like the bee's knees. I, I found I found out the behind the scenes stuff, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, this was a big deal for the time period. I can't stress it enough. Like, I was a 10-year-old kid. And, like, yeah, I, didn't, I mean, I watched the movies then. I don't remember a lot of it, I'll be honest with you. But, like, at the time, I just thought this was awesome. I mean, like the fire and the boulder. I remember the heat coming from one of the scenes like uh, of the fire with the, the Jeep tipping over and stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. it was like, I mean, like, Oh my God, you feel like heat. It's like real. It's not fake. You know, like this is, this is legit. So, um, yeah. Well, it's perfect. And we're moving on to Cairo. I mean, that's, you know, I think what they did really well too is, you know, like when Riley watches something, she'll enjoy something like this, but when she sees the, the actress that's playing Marion, come on, and Marion's doing all these stunts. She's falling off buildings. She's, you know, beating up these big dudes. Like, she loves that. And then you're talking about the fire, the explosions, the, you know. At the end of that scene, Mike, when they bring out that plane and Indy is fighting that behemoth of a man that, uh, you know, and the plane is kind of turn, turning, turning, turning. And you know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? But just the way that's done and the size and the scope of the sets is so large and so big. These sets are the biggest on Walt Disney World property. And yet they they move them with ease. You know, they're so good at this. That scene for me, that Cairo scene with people falling off roofs, you know, like, like, like Joe said, uh, you know, the Jeep tipping over, blowing up, the plane moving around, fire going everywhere, gunshots ringing out. Dude, it's really well done. Yeah, the acrobatics of some of those stunt people are just insane. Uh, having daughters that were doing cheerleading and gymnastics, and you know they they they're upside down and up in the air more than they are ever you know standing still. Uh, it was nice to see them enjoy that part of the show. You know, I enjoy the fire, I enjoy the planes, I enjoy all of that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, th that's what I love, but seeing my daughters enjoy it, a different aspect of it too is really cool. Yeah. One thing I love and you, you nailed it too, Joe is volunteers from the audience. 
You don't see it too much anymore around Disney property. Volunteers from the audience where they would bring in people at the end, right? Towards that last scene. And you never, you didn't, you know, it's the first time ever seeing this. Spoiler alert, turn this off now, okay? Because I don't want to ruin this for you. One of those people is a plant, okay? And not one that grows out of the ground. Uh, but they bring that person on and then stuff happens and you're like, oh my gosh, this random person of the audience is amazing, you know, what they can do. Uh, but I think that's so important. Look, I'm not saying that we stole from the Indiana Jones uh, stunt spectacular with the show, but there's a reason that we do an audience participation thing each and every week. You know, we talk about our audience and, and, and our family, our Disney Dad's family, every week because we want you to be a direct part of this show just like being a having the opportunity to be a direct part of indiana jones makes you come back again and again and you nailed it joe with that yeah and you're more invested and think about old school mgm when it first opened a lot of the attractions involved audience participation think about it i mean like there was so many i I, so i'm one of those geeks right that i'll watch those old school vacation planning videos and they'll show a lot of the old attractions from back in the day and a lot of them involve people from the audience and i think that's one of the cool things that they still hopefully they'll still look i don't know if they'll still do it when this reopens because of the current situation and everything going on they may cut that out i don't know but i just think it's really cool that they they did do that that even though there was maybe that person that was put in the audience whatever but there were other extras that weren't so i just think that i really hope that it does come back with that um but we'll see time will tell yeah let me well i think the one thing this has going for it it's an outdoor theater you know it's an amphitheater and i think that has look i mean if we've seen anything we've seen sporting events come back fully we've seen all that no matter where you stand i mean this i think that that really helps disney with this decision to bring the show back versus bringing back some of these indoor shows that they're just not ready to bring back yet um anything else you guys want to add to the show before we talk merchandise really quickly all good. I just real quick. I just I love. It. I just think it's old school. I really hope that it's. I hope that it stays around, and I hope that they do make improvements to it. And uh, it's just it's that little bit of MGM history that's still clinging on. I I appreciate that Disney's keeping it around. Yeah, me too. Uh, hundred. Well, definitely. And I hope they keep it around for a long, long time. Um, speaking of that, before we get to merchandise, because our generation may be the last one that really loves indie. Do you think that has something to do with the two? Like, if this fifth film doesn't take, do you think the fact that, like, Riley's generation knows nothing about Indiana Jones, that might be the, the nail in the coffin, per se, for this? I think so. I think that our generation, even though I'm not the biggest indie fan, but I appreciate the movies, I don't hate them, but I think that we are taking our kids to see this. The Indiana Jones, it's the same time frame as Star Wars is late 70s early 80s right so it's the same generation that's why you're seeing a lot of little kids being such big Star Wars fans now Mm. so I think that it's up to our generation to introduce them to that and if this movie doesn't do well then it's probably gonna see the end of this attraction um the one thing that keeps me coming back if anyone knows me I'm a kid at heart I love toys I still uh want every single time to buy a whip and to uh, buy a hat at the Indiana Jones store over there. Really quickly, uh, one, have you ever pulled the rope outside of Indiana Jones? Either of you? I've heard about it. I've never done it. I've never done it. I did it pre-pandemic. <laughs> so, 
yeah, I don't know if the rope's still out or not. I'll have to check next time in the parks. But uh, for those of you who have not done it, go pull the rope. It says in a big sign, do not pull the rope. Anytime you see that at Disney, it means do something. Okay? So just not, now, hold, wait, wait. Back <laughs> it up. You might want to take no trespassing sign. You might want to take that back. <laughs> yeah, wait, for lawyer's sake, okay? If it's on like something like that, okay? If it's on, let's say, a, a pyramid and it says do not climb me, that means do not climb me, okay? But pull the rope. Uh, you'll get a nice little surprise when you pull the rope uh, with the maybe make a new friend, uh, let's say like that, uh, that might need your help. Um, but do you all ever go look at the merch? I, I know, look, we're in the parks a lot, um, but I still find myself wandering over there and looking at things. My favorite thing to buy from there, of course, because I was the, you know, not, not so nice older brother, I would buy the rubber snakes and I would yes. put them in my sister's bed. So that was a, uh, a staple for me to buy. And I think I actually bought, I might have it around here, maybe right over there. I think I bought a skull from there. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, it's glow in the dark skull. So, hey, does this make me a bad dad? So I had, um, I can't remember, Dan Aykroyd, I think, is the one that does the skull vodka. Yes. Right? So I yeah. had that, and and I've had it for a long time, long time. Well, we finally finished it uh, the other day, and I cleaned it out, and then I filled it with water and put highlighters in it because I did this in college. Do y'all know this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. And then you put a black light behind black light. it. But I gave it to Riley. I put a black light in her room, so now she has her her black light skull in her room. She thought it was awesome. Yeah, I, those were cool. We used, to, we used to do those with the, um, I'm going to date myself, the Zima bottles. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're not dating yourself with that. <laughs> you're not dating yourself. No, no, no. No, Zima's around. Dude, which which flavor uh, which flavor um, Jolly Rancher did you put in it? Oh, I didn't put, I didn't put, we just drank the Zimas the way they were, and we would put the highlighters oh, in them. You put, so right now people are shaking their head. He knows what he's talking about. The green apple inside. Really? No. Yeah. That. Maybe next mm-hmm. time we're, we're together, we'll grab a six-pack of Zimas and some Jolly Ranchers, you and I. So, they even make them anymore? I have no idea, man. <laughs> Zima is actually, um, I found this out, stupid fun fact, is actually made uh, up in uh, upstate New York by the company that brews Genesee beer. It's one of their hmm. larger, yeah. it's one of their larger um, production of, I think it's actually 50% of their uh, inventory that comes out of that Genesee beer factory up in like upstate, the Finger Lakes, uh, is Zima still. So. so it's still around? It's still around, yep. All right. Well, that's our that's our tre- that's our next trek. Okay. Well, you and I we're gonna watch Indiana Jones and drink Zemas together. Uh, it'll be fantastic, um, guys. It, it's it's for me, Joe. You, I don't think you got to go. Many merch for you, man. No, I mean, I, not for me to purchase any. But at one time, didn't they sell like the Indiana Jones fedora kind of hats? Did they ever sell those at one time? At any time, they still sell. They them. still sell. Them? Okay, I remember seeing people yeah. back in the day walking around with those. But I was never a big Indiana Jones merch person. Um, and I don't even know when the last time I even walked into one of the gift shops there. I know I've gotten beer from one of the beer carts outside there where the rope is in that area. But uh, besides uh, that, you know, no gift shop for me. I have I have visited that cart uh, many times. It has a very uh, little uh, beer line. It's never really long. So I, You know what? I don't know why people don't go over there. That's that's kind of my staple and go-to as well um, is to go there as well. Well, guys, uh, I like you, like Joe said, I hope this sticks around forever. I really, really enjoy it. I think it is the last remaining uh, real look into what Michael Eisner had in mind when he th- you know when they came up with MGM Studios. And uh, I really hope that this sticks around, and I hope that families for years and years and years uh, will not only find a shaded place to sit down for 25 minutes to enjoy 
but will take in the acrobatics, uh, the stunts, the story, and the backstage look of this amazing, amazing, amazing show. So we hope you check it out. We want to hear your opinions, too, on Indiana Jones and the Stunt Spectacular uh, on our Facebook page. So make sure to head over to Disney Dads Podcast Facebook family. Join there and put those uh, put those ideas up. And besides those ideas, you know what else we'd like to see? There's some great moments at those scenes. You can take some pictures of them, put them on our Facebook page, and it brings me to my favorite thing every week, and that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Joe, since it's been a while since you've been here, why don't you tell me what your pick of the week? So my pick of the week, Mike, goes to uh, Kevin Kessler, and he sent some photos. Now, look, I'm a quasi-local, right? I live an hour and a half from Walt Disney World property, like an hour and 20 minutes. And I don't know if you'd find me there on the 50th. We, we love Disney, right? I just knew the crowds were going to be uh, were going to be super crazy. And oh my goodness, uh, Kevin posted, I think, three or four photos of what Main Street USA and in front of the castle looked like on October 1st. And yeah, just wall-to-wall people uh, getting claustrophobic just looking at these photos. So um really would want to be there, but that just looks a little too much for me. But uh, just absolute craziness. The best part of the photo is there's actually a guy sitting on the ground that's wearing an anti-social social club t- uh, social club t-shirt. I just think that's kind of fitting for, for everybody being on top of each other. So, Kevin Kessler, thank you for sharing uh, your photos from the 50th uh, Madness on Main Street. Uh, dude, I love Kevin. If those of you uh, have not gone and done it, Go check out Kevin's podcast. Kevin it was a staple in this podcast being created with Two Men in the Mouse, um, one of my favorite, absolute favorite podcasts. Go check out him and Pete over at Two Men and the Mouse. I still, to this day, will say, has one of the best Disney sign-offs of any Disney podcast. Uh, with uh, And that's going to do it. See, I can't, Kevin, I can't even do it. I can't do it. Uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead, buddy? Sure. My pick of the week is going to go to some very, very near and dear friends of our Disney family, and that would be the Woods family and the Smith family. And they got to rock it out over in Disney, California. Uh, nothing makes us happier than seeing Disney, D- Disney dad family meeting, you know, in the parks and, and people just randomly met each other through this podcast. I think that's super cool. Uh, two amazing families. You got the Woods family, the Smith family. And I think Greg, if you came a couple of weeks later, maybe you would have got to see some Christmas trees. Cause we know what a great mm-hmm. job Irene does with the Christmas trees, but uh, I'm glad to see you guys had a great time. Greg loved the pictures. Got to see uh Sandy Claus up there at the, uh, the haunted mansion. Great, great pictures. I love Halloween. Christmas is right around the corner. And uh you guys have my pick of the week. Yeah, and it was so much fun to help. Uh, Greg, thank you so much uh, supporting Away With Me Travel and uh, allowing us to help plan uh, your magical vacation. Uh, we really appreciate you. If you uh, are looking for uh, someone to help with your next season vacation, of course, contact us, show at awaywithmetravel.com. Uh, my pick of the week, Mike, is a really important one. This one uh, is one of the more, look, I love all of our picks, but this one actually is leading us down a new path with this show, which does not happen very often. Um, that we go and do this. There's a very loud truck going by my house right now. Um, I am talking about Megan Moore. Um, I've talked to Megan a little bit through Messenger, but I want to tell you about her pick first and why it's my pick of the week. Uh, Megan said, we just got back from an absolutely magical birthday trip for my princess. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to share our fairy godmother's name or info here, uh, but we were able to find a displaced uh, Bippity Boppity Boutique fairy godmother who came to our resort and did the whole royal treatment for her. We bought uh, brought the dress from home, 
It was so convenient not to have to venture to Bippity Bop Boutique early in the morning. She did an amazing job, has been planning this trip for three years, and uh, Bippity Boppy was always a part of the plan. Um, as we know, although some cast members that are very close to us have been recalled and, and are back in the parks working, there's still quite a few who are displaced and who are still uh, uh, laid off from the company. A lot of those being our, our fantastic fairy godmothers. And this got me to thinking and uh, as to what could we do as a show to help out some of these cast members. And I started thinking, why don't we do a new segment on this show where we spotlight one of these cast members who, when they got laid off, they kind of went and created their own business uh, doing either, you know, what their side gig was. There's a lot of people that do woodworking or do, they make t-shirts or they do that, you know, uh, this, you know, do, do some, you know, playing fairy godmother, you know, that now you can't have that in the parks right now. Why don't we spotlight some of these people and why don't we give their information to our Disney dad's family? So that way when they're in the parks or if at home you think, you know what, I'd really like this or I'd, I, you know, I need a new Disney cup. And I know that Justin had mentioned uh, on the last show that there's a displaced cast member that makes custom cups that maybe I could support them and give them a little bit of money uh, and still, re, you know, get something in return and feel really good about it. So starting uh, next week, we will be doing uh, this new segment where we will be each and every week until 100% of the cast members are back. We will be, uh, spotlighting a cast member that is working on an individual business outside of the Walt Disney World Company, and we will be highlighting them. And hopefully, uh, you'll click that link below in the show comments, uh, or you know, uh, and you'll be, you'll go to them and you'll order something. Don't be big, but whatever they're offering, if 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 you're interested, let's go through them and let's support cast members that way. And so this post led to this, and so I don't think uh, you know. It, look. Your daughter looks amazing. You know, I, I have a daughter about that age. I know how important the bippity boppity is on these trips. It really, uh, watching Riley sit and get her nails done and her hair done and all that, you can see in her face how, how important it is to her on vacation, but also for that cast member. So, Megan, I want to thank you because you led us down this path to where we're going to now try to help more and more cast members. And the first person that we will be uh, spotlighting will be your own very own bippity boppity boutique uh, fairy godmother uh, that is displaced at the moment and we will be putting out her info and if you are in the parks if you have a young child that is interested in this since they can't get it done in the parks let's reach out let's support let's support our cast members let's put our money where our mouth is and let's keep uh, keep this Disney family the most positive Disney place on the internet by supporting these people who need us most. Okay, so that is my pick of the week. It is long winded, but I think it's a I think it's a good uh, a good time for us to do it. Mike, uh, amazing pick of the week. Uh, when you came to me with this idea, I thought it was you know it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know we've talked about how much we love our cast members and how much you know we want to help them out, and I think that in a small way, even if we help out a few here and there, and even if you're not going to be in the parks, if maybe you you know have a friend that's going down to Disney, you can recommend somebody. I mean, listen, these are cast members. These are people that you know have that Disney quality. They have that Disney magic, and maybe they not be through the gates and doing it you know on a paid basis by Disney, but at least you know you're going to get the same quality and great attention from somebody, and uh, you're helping them out too, which is an amazing thing. And I'm very super excited to be doing taking on this and and helping spotlight some of our you know cast members that could use a little bit of extra help right now 
Joe, what do you think about this new idea? I think it's awesome, man. As somebody who buys a lot of like random Disney stuff on like Etsy from like yep. normal people who live all over the country, I actually just worked with somebody who lives uh, in Central Florida around Disney. Uh, she actually created a, a DVC slash annual pass holder new sticker for the back of my car, but with the Saratoga Springs horse on it. Oh, that's so cool, And she man. was so awesome to work with. So if there are cast members out there that do these kind of like outside things, I mean, us Disney fans, we could help, you know, if we could help support them while they're like not in work or even if they are working and they're doing this on the side to help supplement their income, I'm all for it. I think that's amazing because, you know what, there's so many talented people out there that do so many different things that I think that if we could help them as a community, uh, I just think that's amazing to uh, that we could we could use our good here to help them out. So, yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, this will be our new spreading the magic spotlight uh, that we'll do each and every week. And uh, so we'll try to spread the magic uh, around. So we'll be posting those. And uh, look, it'll be on all social medias. I will, you know, I'll, I'll put it out everywhere, all those links. So make it very easy for you to find them and spend your hard-earned money on these amazing people. Um, guys, so much fun talking about indie tonight. You know, it's it, for me, it's probably other than Fantasmic. I'm, I'm calling Fantasmic a stage show because it has a stage. It's a show. Uh, I know it's a nighttime spectacular. Other than Fantasmic, it's probably my favorite stage show at Walt Disney World. Indiana Jones. And I really enjoy talking about it. I don't think people realize the history this show has with MGM and Hollywood Studios and the importance it's played in the progression of the park and keeping that idea alive of what MGM and Hollywood Studios was meant to be uh, even today for this newer generation. Uh, closing words, fellas. Joe, I'll start with you before we head over to Patreon. And we are going to go over and we're going to talk about some Disney news, man. We're going to dive into some uh, some big topics over that way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But just to close up today's show... Um yeah, first of all, it's good to be back, guys. I uh, hated being away from the show for a couple weeks, so great to be back talking some Disney with you. Uh, it's funny, Justin, we were talking about this before we came on the show. Um, I just got my ESPN Plus membership. Uh, I bundled it with Disney Plus. And you know what, though? I was talking to my wife about watching some of the, a lot of the content we haven't watched on Disney Plus, you know, Tron she's never seen in some of the other movies. And you know what? Maybe I need to fire up Indiana Jones on whatever platform it's mm. on. I think it's it's probably it's a, on it. It's on it's on Disney. Yeah, Plus. It's on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. I don't know if it was it was on yeah. there or not, but yeah, I think I need to fire it up and maybe uh, revisit this old classic. I think uh, maybe this show has kind of rejuvenated my interest in it. So yeah, looking forward to that. Start with the, uh, uh, Crystal Skull. It's that's the one to start with. <laughs> All right, Mike. How about you? Closing words. <laughs> you know, before we did the show tonight, I wanted to go back and I, you know, I kind of re refresh my memory on some of the stunt show stuff. I also watched the original trailer from 1981's uh, Raiders oh, of the cool. Lost Ark yeah. and um, on YouTube. And it was very cool. And even to this day, watching that trailer, other than the low quality film, the, the movie concept itself was good. Now, so glad we got to talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh, I'm so glad we got to really, really hash some of my old memories. You know, uh, it holds a very special place in my heart, my childhood, uh, being with my parents as a young kid and watching my kids. So it's definitely multi-generational for me. And uh, I was excited to talk about it tonight. And I'm glad I got to spend it with you guys. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Disney Dad's family, uh, look, if you want to uh, join us on the Patreon side, of course, click that link below for as little as $2.30 a month. You become a part of the Patreon family. There's lots of tiers over there, uh, A through E tickets for you to join. Uh, some of them have a video element to it, which a lot of people are really enjoying that video element, uh, being able to see, because a lot of times we play videos uh, that we will talk about, and you can actually see the video, which makes it nice. Um, also, if you like what we're doing, go right now and click five stars. Leave us that great that great review. It's how we grow the show. We reach more and more and more people. And, uh, of course, our executive producer himself, Mr. Jason Odegaard, pick up his book, Pabble, 
and uh, click that link below. Uh, I just labeled him that, Mike. I just, I don't know. I figured that sounds good. Give him executive I, producer that's rights. A, that's a fitting title, yeah. I, I think so, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do all that, guys. And other than that, I hope you have an amazing week. Find some adventure this week, okay? Go out there, be an adventurer in your own community. Spread some Disney love. Spread some Disney cheer. And until next time, guys, we will see you real soon. Patron family, stick around. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. See you guys. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you. And remember, always keep it Disney. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin, let the one and that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.